0: Alchemy is an ancient practice associated with science, chemistry, physics, astronomy, astrology, art, symbology, meteorology, medicine and philosophical analysis. And
1: despite that these sciences were not exercised
0: in a scientific way as
1: known today, alchemy is the origin of modern Bismillah ar-Rahim, dear listeners, assalamu alaykum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, and welcome to another episode of the Alchemy of Truth with your host Nasser al khatib After a very long lull of not having any <coughs> radio shows, ah, oh, okay, sorry. Um Also with me here today is uh, my co-host um, Anna Rose uh, Zayed. Zayed. Yes, uh, Anna Rose. Assalamu alaykum. Wa
2: alaykum <laughs> salam.
1: How was your Ramadan?
2: It was good. You were there for a lot of it, so you would know.
1: I was there for Ramadan, not for your Ramadan, just to clarify. Yes. <laughs> okay, good.
2: Okay, moving on. Um,
1: yeah, so um, Alhamdulillah after uh, Ramadan I wanted and I think everybody agreed that we wanted to focus more on our spir- spiritual sides and so we uh, stopped the show and uh, we gave some breathing space to the wife actor because they needed to, you know, pretend like they had listeners. Mm. Uh, it was so a gracious
2: move on our behalf.
1: Well, you know, Alhamdulillah, we're very gracious people.
2: That's what Ramadan's all about.
1: Uh, yeah, so um, now, inshallah, we're returning back with the alchemy of truth with uh, great force uh, and great uh, benefit, vengeance. inshallah. No, not vengeance, no. We vengeance? There's no vengeance, no, yeah. Okay. Uh, with great um, uh, benefit, inshallah, to everyone and to ourselves because we learn as we present to you. Um, so, um, our guest today um, will have to tell us a bit about himself because I've just been speaking very vaguely, mostly because there's much I need to know. Uh, he is Yasser Mursi from Melbourne. Brother Yasser. assalamu alaikum.
0: alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
1: Welcome to Sydney. How long have you been here?
0: Uh, a day now.
1: Uh, a um, day, mashallah. Okay, that's good.
0: I brought the weather with me. It really <laughs> did.
1: <laughs> Alhamdulillah, I was getting sick and tired of the sun. So mm. it's good that we have a bit of cold and uh, rain. Um, so tell me, uh, Yasser. Um, I know you're doing your PhD in Melbourne University and it's on race relations, is it?
0: Well, um, specifically speaking, yes. Uh, but mostly about uh, relations between minorities, Muslim minorities in liberalism or liberal society or in a democracy. Yeah. Okay,
1: and Muslim into, uh, minorities? Yeah, in, in Western, Western, societies Western liberal and democracies. democracies, yeah. Ah, mashallah, okay, that uh, sounds very interesting. And when is it uh, due out the well, book?
0: I, I've just submitted it, so I'm looking at process of anywhere between three to six months, depending on supervisors, inshallah, okay. to be awarded um, a doctorate.
1: But inshallah you can, uh, you can get I don't know you guys get h d s or something is that no we get uh we get um
0: a funny hat, <laughs> a funny hat yeah, and okay. photo opportunities and all that, but uh no, we just get a report from our graders and uh oh, okay. it comes back either as a one, two or three, so I'm looking for a one inshallah inshallah, inshallah. and um, when did you submit it uh this year um somewhat sometime oh
2: like how long ago
0: um I would say that I'll give you the exact date <laughs> <I can't> remember <laughs> <laughs> uh June. June.
2: Yeah. And what did you do the very next day? Nothing?
0: Well, I had I had all these uh, aspirations of writing, you know, papers and journal articles, and I just really took a big break. Yeah. Yeah. But in um, I, just to clarify, I submitted in June, but it was to my supervisor, which this is a long unclear process. So mm. I have no idea when it will come back.
1: Well, inshallah. Um, Sounds comes like back Arab elections. <laughs> Arab elections or even urban elections <laughs> um, this is a question that I've been asked uh, many times today by Anna Rose and by Yasser of what should the topic be and um, to be completely honest I did not have a topic in my head uh, because um, the last time I saw Yasser, we sat uh, for I think a couple of hours and we just discussed everything and uh, I thought it was a very beneficial and very enjoyable way of sitting and just sort of digging into things and um, in um, operations management, there is a concept called the five, the five whys, that if you have a problem in your operations, you (laughs) ask the question why, and if there's an answer to that, you ask why to that. And that basically helps you to find out what the core problem is. And so, uh, you know, applying that onto um, our uh, context here in Australia, Um, as everybody, you know most probably sees around us every day uh muslims and the muslim community in australia is quite messed up i mean there's disunity there's name calling there is groupings and and splinter groupings within the splinter groupings um there is uh lots of social problems as well um why
0: <laughs> nice and easy question i said yeah <laughs> <laughs> um this we have to unpack your question a little bit. The assumption is that maybe it's something specific to being Muslim today. It might, might be. There might be certain qualities and characteristics about our community that lacks uh, what we all yearn for, um, be it spiritual guidance or you know an element of the sunnah and so forth. But it might be something broader. A lot of communities, um, minorities or majorities, are suffering um, a lot in what we might call late capitalist society or modernity. Due to change in pace and so forth, for you know, what?
2: So, what do you mean when you say modernity?
0: It's a, it, it's a tough question. And why?
2: No. What, well, <laughs> that was yeah, a
0: joke. Yeah, uh, there's, there's two parts to it. Um, we could uh, first speak about it. You know, the hard way. Yeah. modernity is marked by, I guess, uh, the influence of the market. Um, and us as subjects to the market. You know, our days are organised as according to our labour and our work. Then there's the mythology of modernity, you know, the spirit of modernity. It's a strange time because, uh, you know, at this stage in history, we have a very conscious sense of where we are moving forward. And often modernity is marked by another word that's part of this mythology called progress. And to be modernist, to be progressive, is to look forward instead of backward, which in many ways is uh, opposite to uh, the Muslim tradition of returning, if you will, or looking back to the past.
1: This is actually something that's very interesting. Um, I remember reading a uh, Muslim philosopher uh, in Egypt, his name is Ahmed Amin, and he tells an analogy in which the three prophets, the Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu wa sallam, uh, the Prophet Isa, and the Prophet Musa, they um, come back to earth and afterwards they meet up uh, later on in heaven. And uh, the Prophet says, My people, look too much to their past but never to their present and the uh, uh isa salam said my people look too much to their present but never to their past um i don't remember what musa said <laughs> but uh, i thought I, like it's it's very interesting as well
0: yeah well marx modernity is not just looking back to the past we all do that and it's principally part of our we we inherit the world of our parents and our traditions but modernity gives a very negative you know, view of looking back at the past. We have to grow, move forward, you know, build on and depart almost. And one element of modernity is having this sense of fleeting movement. You're moving forward and leaving behind the chains and tutelage diligence the past, you know, like Mm. to be traditionalist in many ways is is to not keep pace with modernity, it's not keep pace with things that are moving. Mm. And to be modern is, that gives that connotation. This is the mythology of it, you know, to be modern is, you know, to be at the cutting edge and, you know, of science and, you know, ways to interpret texts and so forth. So it has that, whenever we speak of, you know, really do you see it being offensive or insulting to call somebody modern? But traditional is often tied with things like misogyny or patriarchy or, you know, close mindedness Yeah. Uh, not specifically in our community, but broadly speaking, you mm-hmm. know. It's um,
2: interesting because when I think modernity, I think of um, Christian reform in Europe in a few hundred years ago. Is that... A different modernity?
0: Yeah, no, modernity has no one face. I mean, as I said, when we look at the hard wire of it, the other side of modernity, the darker side, if you're the wrong side of capitalism, slums in places like India and Brazil Mm. belong to modernity, reformist movements, like you suggest, ultra-religious groups are modern movements. It's been said time and time again that the likes of the Taliban and even the Salafi movement is a modern movement. But, uh, uh, you know, that's part and Modernity has its mythology and most ideologies in their mythical rendering of themselves only positive, you know.
2: So would you say the Muslim community of Australia are on the dark side of modernity?
1: Before you answer Mm -hmm. that, let me just say, um, if any of our listeners would like to contribute, you can do so uh, either on our Facebook page um, or through Twitter um, or even through the phone number. You can call us, uh, Australia61, sydney two uh nine seven two four double three double double five and I'll answer it straight away. Please make sure you have a clear connection. Please uh, go ahead, brother.
0: Um yes and no. Um I don't particularly privilege uh Western Muslims as having the same problems as Muslims in living in traditional homes or if we can name it that or third world developing conditions. So what what we do share with them though is if you know is a kind of post colonial condition is that we've inherited a lot of problems, and modernity can be, you know, one way for um, developing countries or the tri continental South America, Africa, Asia, and of course, the Middle East being part of that, yeah, um, have inherited a lot of problems, and that is to overcome the colonial legacy. In that sense, we're on the dark side, if you will, but um, Muslims in Australia, that's a little bit more complicated I don't I think many of us have escaped it and our problems have more to do with Identity than it does to do with the kind of things that hold back Developing countries.
1: Um, I wanted to ask about the Muslim community in particular especially I mean uh, not especially because these problems are prevalent also in other Western communities in which Muslim community is a minority Um, you see a lot of uh, stress towards traditionalism towards knowledge but you also see a lot of lack of knowledge and the etiquette that goes with it. So a lot of people are calling for classical studies and things like that, but nobody really understands what that means because they seem to just cut and paste and um, make massive mistakes along the way in regards to how they use that knowledge.
0: Yeah. Again, it's important that we don't like, unfairly highlight the Muslim community as if it's a particular characteristic of who we are whatever way you wanted to find them or some community what you've described to me and when i hear it initially i just think of it as a condition of what we may call modernity you just have to look at a few things our speed of things you know um <laughs> you know the our youth today gets frustrated when download speeds aren't working quickly I'm, i was with a brother and we'll you know God forgive me, we're driving through Macca's. Yeah. Never.
2: <laughs> I did that on Eid. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: you know, and uh, they were commenting that, you know, uh, when somebody came out through a drive through and said, look, there'll be five-minute wait on your meal. And they were like, five minutes? Having to wait five minutes on your meal. And so what you have is, you know, more structural, more, you know, as I said, the hardwired nature of modernity. It doesn't facilitate for the kind of patience required for true knowledge. And what we have is a very interesting result. We have uh, image you know, um, form over content, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So we have things where it's, you know, we, we play, look, I, I can't get too deeply into it, but we play identity game. It's far easier, you know, and God forbid, God, I'm not this person, judgment on anybody, but we have, it's far easier to play the part, dress the part than
1: be the part, yeah. So This is exa- this is also something which is very interesting. Um, in essence, that's been taken out of us that we like to go back to our history. We like to scream jihad and do all these things. But at the end of the day, um, a lot of us are living on the dole, uh, basically not contributing in any positive way to society or very negatively um, to society.
0: I don't know about that. You'd have to probably give me a set of stats and facts about whether it's negative. That's somewhat... Su- I'm not disagreeing, but I'm unconvinced. It's somewhat subjective. I think from a, one perspective... and. Uh, we could look back at Muslims and say they're not doing enough. From another perspective, you can say, well, we have various different problems that mainstream normative society doesn't have and it's entirely unfair to suggest, well, why aren't you pulling your weight? Secondly, we have different concerns and different aspirations and ambitions. There's no burden, I'm assuming, on secular success to tie their secular success to a spiritual end. Uh, Muslims have to negotiate, balance, you know, this world and the next. So. We could highlight, if you will, those on the dole and whatnot, but it's been a broader conversation. And one of my pet hates time and time again is that we keep having these discussions about culture. We keep having these subjective discussions about what's gone wrong. Why don't we have these X, Y, and Z characteristics that we're supposed to have? And these conversations, outside of any meaningful discussion about how societies, economies, shape the way we can act, are meaningless. They just make people feel good or bad.
2: But do you not believe in individual responsibility at all? Like if you were to go down to Belmore and meet some of the guys down there hanging out in their tracky decks on the dole working for cash so that they can keep their Centrelink payments, would you really not believe that they have any personal responsibility for their situation or is it really just that they're a slave to their circumstance?
0: uh, I'm not going totally the other end. Of course I could walk past those. (laughs) Gentlemen. (laughs) Gentlemen, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, But I choose uh, for whatever reason not... To uh analyze them in themselves, and that's not to say that I've declared in my head or heart or elsewhere that they don't have any moral responsibility. I think the religion makes it clear what they have, but mm. I'm talking about our commentary okay. you know our commentary doesn't have to continually focus, and we have too many moral policemen here i mean I'm not suggesting that it's wrong to wish and want best, but the conversation has to think be a little bit more sorry interesting other than to say why aren't they doing enough but
2: in an academic sphere don't you think it's really gone that way already in the last decade with the big advent of cultural relativism and that huge argument on an intellectual level across the world about intellect uh academic uh, cultural relativism versus universalism
0: yeah well again i the, the pet hate i have isn't just directed towards the muslim community it's towards the academic parts of the academic community that over focus on the role of w- culture includes the material well-being of things yeah yeah you can't understand for example um, the culture of an indian slum without understanding the massive economic consequences of living well,
1: what there. if what if we watch that movie okay. um slum dog Yeah, in, yeah. And that'll yeah. give us some understanding <laughs> right
0: well bollywood can fix a lot of things you know <laughs> except for <laughs> global poverty yeah um so no, I, uh, as I was saying, like, uh, the pet hate I have is not just directed to my, my own community, it's towards the narrative or the discussion or the continued conversation. And I also think, you know forgive me, it's a bit tied to Islamophobia. it's very s- simple to point a finger at a minority and blame their culture. We do that. We've inherited that, and I, don't th- I think that's part of the conversation. I might even go further, just a fraction. Of the conversation we should be having
2: but i find that so interesting because in the academia i study it really seems to be the other way in that culture is so emphasized yeah. as the condition um as opposed to you know the personal being lazy and that kind of thing so i'm interested that you do see it in other terms that academics are still being islamophobic are still blaming muslims for being muslim and therefore being lazy and that kind of thing because I, i've never really yeah, seen that i
0: don't i don't think Generally speaking, that's what academics are doing. I'm, I'm targeting those academics who stress do culture, do yeah? yeah, in the sense of well, the reason why you act the way you act, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. is because of your culture. Uh, of course, academia has you know many minds with various views and some stress agency, like we're talking about, yeah. some stress structure. Um, um,
1: I, I like that you're talking about culture because this takes us to a very interesting uh, concept. Yeah. A lot of the Muslims here talk a lot about Islamic culture and about their background and. Um, they seem to be, or they may be reflecting what you said before. That there's a lot of, you know, anti-Muslim commentators out there who talk about Islamic culture, but the fact is, there's no Islamic culture. There's Arabs and Indians and Bosnians and and things like that. Um, so and Mancunians, <laughs>
2: Mancunians. What's a Mancunian? Have you never heard of Mancunia?
1: Are they Muslim?
2: It's people from Manchester, Nassau. It's ah. me. <laughs>
1: okay, right. Uh, I had no idea. And also, this is not exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> right.
2: Fine, exclude me again.
1: No, there's uh, no, no, it's fine. Anyways. Um, so then this takes us back to the to the concept of culture, Arab culture, let's say, or third world culture. And this takes us again back to our roots. So if you go back to, um, you know, an Arab country, Egypt or Jordan or Iraq, or if you go to mm. India or Pakistan, these cultural practices are there. Um, I
0: mean, I, it's on one level, I'm confused. Um, yeah, me too. Know. Why, <laughs> I'll Nessa? Why? I'll,
1: I'll okay. let us Rose, Let's, um, the
0: and go first. <laughs> By the way, I'm a massive Liverpool supporter. doesn't bode well. Out. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no. no, look, um, w- what I'm talking about here is about um, a specific cultural practice that's um, uh, v- uh, not prominent, but um, a lot of uh, Muslims here um do which is basically cheating and thinking that cheating is success or trying to beat the other person But this is something from one cultural background which I'm not going to mention but which is very well known that because there's just so much competition in the home country they get th- they inherit the sort of um, attitude that the only way for me to succeed is for others to fail and so even if there is no pressure uh, from a numbers point of view you will still always ensure that the others fail even if it doesn't have any contribution to your success. Do you have an example? I have many examples. I
0: think he's trying not to mention.
2: Yeah, but not of the the nationality, but of such a situation. Yeah, for
1: example, I mean, lots of um, people from that cultural background, when they, for example, study at university, they make sure that the others do badly, either by you know, getting them in trouble or by, uh, you know, helping them study wrong. I'm serious. These are things that have happened. I know that these are things that have happened because these are personal experiences or personal analogies that have been told to me. Uh, at well, work, if
2: they're personal analogies, that must be true of the whole culture.
1: All right. Thank you. It's <laughs> very constructive. Again, um, uh, at work, uh, I know a lot well, of I people... Think, I think I get the gist of what <laughs> you're saying. I okay. do. No, I'm okay. glad. Um, there's a
0: couple of things. The first one is about the idea of, the Muslim community being broken up to many cultures and there's no way we can talk about Islamic culture. I don't, never have agreed. Simply because, let's take your logic. If you break down the Muslim community in Australia, you can break it down to Arab, Pakistani, you know, and so forth, you know. But why stop there? You know, there's no such thing as one Arab culture. As you and I might argue, Egyptians are a bit different from Iraqis. And even within Egypt, we can keep going further. Yep. Yeah. There's no way we can talk about essentialization of culture. And the point is, culture has never been something that's been essential. It's only for some unknown reason when we wanted to respond to accusations by quote-unquote Islamophobes or the Orientalists or the conservatives. or call whoever you want who tried to paint us all with a brush. Did we come up with a response to them and say, we're not all the same? And this was partly by a caste or class or crowd of Muslims who wanted to distance themselves and say, we're not like the Taliban. We're not like Bin Laden. We're not like... These fundamentalists were not like the youth in Western Sydney. And so this attempt to dismantle the Muslim community further into its ethnicities and various different cultures always incorporated complexities. Yeah, But what defines a culture is its similarities or what brings it together. So let's talk about what, how we can describe the Islamic culture. Well, let's not talk about Nasser, who he is, and that is everything you've done from day one to now. Let's talk about who Nasser wants to be. And I can almost guarantee you, just as a guess, Allahu Alam. That who you want to become, in many ways, is shaped by your Islam. You want to be a better Muslim. Yeah. You want to get closer to the Quran. Maybe develop an Ihsan, an adab, that reflects the sunnah. yeah. That coming closer to something yeah, is what ties Muslim community together. Not what we are, who we want to become. And that's what we can describe. Because culture has many parts to it. One of which is all the practices that we do. And let's be careful here, because what we're preferencing and fourteen hundred years of history is the nation state. Why bring up Albania? Why bring up Bosnia? Why bring up Egypt as if they're static and um, for you know eternal entities? They're not. If we take the Quran seriously, the eternal entity is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Muslim is his slave. So there's two parts to it here. What we are and what we will always be changing. One day we could be Australian, maybe Australia and New Zealand will merge and will be Australasian, who cares? But the Muslim is something altogether different and that is an aspiration. And it goes beyond that into the hereafter. So I've never bought that part that there's no such thing as an Islamic culture. You and I are here for a reason. I married an Eritrean sister for a reason.
1: Well, she's not your sister. She's your wife. <laughs> she's my <laughs> wife, mate. No,
0: yeah? For a reason.
1: a great one by a Alhamdulillah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, um, there's a reason why I can get have conversations with uh, brothers and sisters from all different types of ethnicities on the, f- the flight and the concerns of of Syria for example yep. yeah so that's the first thing now in response to the second part of your discussion about um you know there's particularities you know you may, you answered yourself i thought when you said they come from a culture where it's deeply competitive and uh, when they get here they don't know how to undo that now <laughs> there's a couple of problems i have with that in it's and look it's a fair enough question but um again what standard are we Measuring it against, and I and I think this, and forgive me, this is a speculation. It's an ungrounded fact. It's a you know an intuition on my behalf. I think we have these conversations because we're not successful in the West, and then we look back and try and explain why.
1: Yeah. When you say we, you mean the collective community. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm not successful in. There's a major gap between our aspirations and our reality, our hopes. Yeah.
1: And who we are. You're talking about, again, success, spiritual success or material in success? Everything. We're, we're, and everything. And is
2: know. this, do you think, intergenerational? Because to me, I look at people my age in their very early 20s who are now going through uni in the courses that their parents could never get into because they didn't have the language skills because they were first generation migrants. Um And who are being really successful in these courses and who, once they come out of them, will be going into career paths. that
0: Capitalism won't allow anybody to fail from any community. Like we will get doctors and lawyers and, you know, radio jocks and, you know. But when this happens,
2: do you think that paradigm will still exist then?
0: It depends. And I think it depends on how we manage our secular success or with our religion. And part of the part of secularism or liberalism or modernity is it gives you very little time to develop your religion. I mean, just take your working hour day, nine to five. You've, like typically, you've got your job in which you're helping build a system that, in many ways, is helping unbuild, you know, the, the traditional world that we've come from. Yeah. You know, we have the irony of people being against the Iraq war, for example, but working in a factory that kind of a plantation that pulls out the rubber that and a few steps down the road is making the tracks for tanks. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. You know, we work in such a way and we're alienated from the result. That's the first thing. It, it, it will never allow you not to succeed. There'll be failures, I'm sure. But we'll get the doctors and the lawyers and... All sorts of things. The t- real I test.
1: Mean, look, the doctors and the lawyers, they've been coming for the last 20 years. Oh, yeah. the, the, the community but is still a failure. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you compare it to other uh. communities as well. and um, I really
0: want to know, a failure at what?
1: Um, the community is fractured. Fractured it is, how? It is not united in any way. It um, just disperses okay. like, uh, um, um, I N- don't know. N- a, yo,
0: I may suggest this. No community can be united with the existing system because you're supposed to be alienated. In the sense of this, your job in this logic is to produce and consume. Yeah, labor. Okay, that's your point. The idea that we can come up with a collective community outside any material, okay, conditions is somewhat you know unlikely. Like, what builds? Let's say forget. Let's give you an example. Let's say we get a bunch of Muslims and our job is to build a well. That's that building the world together along with our culture, our, our Sunnah, our Quran, you know. That's what builds the community, our labor, to be able to build the world. Now, if we're all going building different things in different directions and then coming back at the end of the day to think that we can come together in some, you know, undefined unity, it's not going to happen. What builds a unity uh, is an objective. And it's not meant to happen here. We are, let give you an example. We're all Australian. That doesn't have any meaning other than our citizenry. And we can be defined by the taxes we pay, the fact that we may vote, yeah, or some of us do donkey votes, okay, the fact that we participate in the laws. All of these objective things, unconscious things, ties us together and makes us Australian. The rest is just commentary. And as far as commentary goes, we will always dispute and debate, yeah. And I know what you mean by us being dis, you know, ununited and so forth, but it won't happen if the conditions...
1: Are not there to allow it to happen, and the conditions will never be allow will never allow it to happen. No, not necessarily.
0: Good. I don't think it's. I'm not that fatalistic. I'm just thinking. And what ha-
2: conditions would allow it to happen in? Well,
0: we have small <laughs> communities within the community. Because
2: that's the issue. Like I can't see it ever happening for the fact that I don't think there is, especially in Australia, but really anywhere, an Islamic community as such a cohesive Islamic community. There's always cultural communities based on language and cultural practices and cultural norms and understandings. Um, And so I don't think it's particularly different to anywhere else in that you know you look at people from eastern Europe but they don't hang out as a pe- person from eastern Europe even if they're all part of the orthodox church. They'll hang out in the Russian group and the Bosnian group
0: really? and do, the Greek group. Do they? I mean Yeah, take, yeah, they really do. It's like Pakistani community I I know t- two types of Pakistanis yeah, off the top of my yeah. head, yeah? I'm sure there's more yeah. <laughs> 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 Alright, so let's say as a archetype, stereotype we've got a couple of Hezbollah brothers at one end and then I have another secular doctor medical students at another end. They mm. don't hang out with each other.
2: Yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean, is that it's never so cohesive ever, yeah. that it always goes further and further down. But then you look at the communities in Sydney, and people do hang out in communities like you and your Iraqi community, and an Egyptian community hangs out all together, the Palestinian community do dinners and that kind of thing. So communities exist, but... They're not an Islamic community; they're just cultural communities. I I agree.
0: I agree. I don't dispute that. I'm just saying a community can be best understood with an an objective. And if we don't have that common objective, then then it might be very hard to say why aren't we united? But
2: don't we have that common objective in Islam?
0: We are supposed to. But the problem is, if Islam is just you know personalized practices, forgive me, if it's just about praying and so forth, we have that. We that's what ties goes back to my early comment. That's what ties us as a community. But what you're talking about is we're fractured today. Why? Despite praying together, despite sharing Ramadan together, and we're fractured today at the level of politics, culture, maybe a sense of morality, response to whether or not we should engage with the government, or maybe about moon sighting. <laughs> but we're not <laughs> fractured today on the essentials of Ahkira. I think of you know, if you take the Sunni world, the, you know, Ahl al-Sunnah Jamaat's foundation, we're not that fractured. I think you're looking at me funny.
1: <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, look, I agree with you that we share the, the you know, the essentials of Arida. But when we're not able to unite on something as simple, um, I think we're united, um, you know, in the akida. But other than the akida, even something as simple as uh, moon sighting, um, I mean, w- something which uh, the mufti was able to do uh, was to convince people that we're united in most everything. And so then uh, the different opinions don't matter. The, what matters is the unity. Um, and so, but, you know, had it you know, had, it had this, si- this type of um, um, feeling or this type of attitude before to unite in other things as well, that would have been great. But what's happening now, things like, for example, um, $22, $25 million coming out in charity out of Australia every year for Muslims. But it's just going all over the place. And, like, the thing is, if we could use that $25 Million dollars in a united way, um, with some you know ethic like structure, it would benefit us so much.
0: Well, you know, it's been said. Take for example, the Jewish community and donates billions still Mm -hmm. to Israel, yeah. And it's been said time and time again. Why can't we be a bit more like that? Look, I. I, (laughs) Well, there's a very simple answer. We we don't have the same problems they have. I mean, if you break it down, they've got the problem of. Um, Anti-Semitism, which uh, you know, for many of us, has been used as a veneer to hide um their hold on Palestine. Yeah? That's their problem. The State of Israel, yep. at one level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at us. We have problems everywhere, from Kashmir to Chechnya to Burma to Somalia, mm. to the to the you know Arab uprising, to minorities in France, in the UK. Here, we have problems everywhere, and we are a uh, diaspora community at many levels. You know it's unfair for us to com- continually project this ideal without looking at the severe problems that we have. It's unfair. We we have we have to be specific about it. And what what I and I dislike about this cultural conversation: why aren't we different? Why shouldn't we better? Is because it really does at most times lacks uh, important reading of our condition. And all it ends up doing is making us one of two things: half of us feeling. Better that we're not like the other half, yeah. And we have this concept of geon. So we we get pleasure in our own pain. We get pleasure in describing how bad we are. Yeah. Okay. There's a little little enjoyment in condemning the fact that we shouldn't be like this. So that that that's that's the way the conversation's at. And all I'm saying is there should be a focused objective. And that focused objective, first and foremost, isn't to be. Let's all unite under X. The first one I think should be. Let's understand our condition, you know, and that that comes uh, in various ways. But inshallah, khair. and again, this isn't really my field. I don't really <laughs> <laughs> just off the top. Of no, yeah, this, I, this is I fine. Have, I haven't wrote a PhD on Muslim unity yet. <laughs> no, that's okay. No worries at all. Look,
1: one. I, I like what you said before that we take pain and uh, we take pleasure in our pain because this is, this is something that I see all the time that people take a hadith that for example the Prophet ﷺ says that um, you know, Muslims at the time will be different um, and you know, الغربة, you know the, the different ones or the strangers are the ones who are the most fortunate and so you see a lot of Muslims actually going out of their way to make themselves as different as possible because well, hmm. they think they I'm, will qualify for that
0: I'd go further and say this uh, in, for many. and again this is a speculation I don't make it as a, an assertion uh, it's an intuition, it's a hypothesis yes. if you want. Mm-hmm. I'll say this, a lot of us practice our Islam today precisely because we see it as lacking something. Just, just take it as a, you know, what I mean by that is classically, Hizb uh, tahriya what does it say? What's missing is the khalafate. We need the Khalifa. Once you bring back the Khalifa, it gives us the proper structure to create the conditions upon which we can prosper let's say the salafis say what's missing is uh, you know the example we've had too many cultural rust built on us what's missing is the example of the first three generations again our modern islam is lacking something maybe traditional sufis say what's missing is the snad and the adab and the Tarbay of the awliya and, and the chains between us and our scholars and our sheikhs yeah that's missing that's been severed again what's missing today is that we we continually describe our islam in that which is lacking and so it's that, pl- you know, taking pleasure and pain. We're also affirming our Islam by what's missing today. We're longing for something. And that is a deeply post-colonial condition because we've had a rapture. Yeah? Mm-hmm. We've had something go wrong.
2: Nasser, you look incredibly stunned. Oh
1: <laughs> uh, No, I'm ex- very excited.
0: And because something's gone wrong. Now, what happens is after this rapture, we've turned up, it's kind of a cultural amnesia. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. What we talk about is the, why are we like the way we are today. You know, even the progressive or the moderate or modern Muslims, if you will, what they see is lacking about us. Well, they don't say it as such, but what what's lacking about us is the Enlightenment project, the European Enlightenment project. We lack humanism, we lack tolerance, we lack feminism. That's the problem with Islam today. We need all these things in the guys, Although they don't say that, they turn Islam inside out and they say, you know, they put a turban on John Locke and it becomes the Prophet Muhammad or Imam Ghazali. Okay, so yeah. well, the point is <laughs> things are lacking. So to go back to that point, um, I don't think we've we should be over critical of I know this sounds incredibly out of sync with what we shouldn't be over critical with ourselves what we should what we should do is take a i think a breath <laughs> and calm down yeah and understand that the conditions that we have had to endure and even today i mean like many of us still cry endlessly for for syria a new episode as if palestine wasn't enough you know a new episode of uh, these images that have crushed us here yeah? it is continually year after year we've so much, have to had to absorb so much, and I think it requires um, a broader understanding of why, as opposed to why
1: not. I'm I'm very glad you mentioned post-colonialism. <laughs> I was trying to find a um, segue. To you provided yeah. it.
2: it's <laughs> Better than your usual ones, which are like, yeah, the weather is nice. So speaking of post-colonialism,
1: well, <laughs> um, this is something I'm very interested in. Um, I read what's his guy's name. Um, Zizek? Nope, the other guy. The, the really good-looking Muslim guy. tariq Ramadan. Nope, not oh, that guy. I didn't say that. Um, <laughs> As- Aslan? Aslan? Reza Aslan. Okay. He ta- talks about the history of um, sort of, I guess, the late 1800s when you had two uh, schools in, in Pakistan and India or, you know, what, what was then uh, India. Uh, one of the schools was basically a person who was very pro-modernism. He wanted to leave the traditional way of teaching and learning. And I'm not saying Khan, is it? Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't yeah. remember the name. And the other person is a person who was very much against that. He wanted to go through the whole, um, uh, you know, Islamic um, traditional way of teaching. And so they would maybe teach, you know, maths and philosophy and things like that. But the the basis was. Around Islam, around the, the Hadith and the, mm. and the Qur'an. And so I thought it was very interesting as well because then he goes on to talk about uh, Afghani and uh, Sayyid Abdu. Um, so I, I, what you mentioned here, this rapture, this is the most incredible topic that we, we um, can talk about because it really t- um, touches on why everybody's just so messed up. Yeah. And you, again, you, hmm. you may say that, oh, we're not messed up. We have to look at other things. But that's the reality. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And in any third world country, I mean, if you go to Africa, if you go to India, if you go to... <laughs> Africa's Africa. yeah.
2: not a country. <laughs> I know that. Okay, just going to... I was going to
1: say it. Indian subcontinent really? as well. That's not a country either. <laughs> my my point stands. I mean... <laughs> Maybe. anyways. Anyways. Uh, so you go to these, uh, you know, Muslim countries. We're talking about Muslim countries here. I mean, other third yeah, world yeah, countries okay. have the same problems. But we're talking about Muslim countries here. Okay. Um they're like a guy who got beaten up and he's on the floor and everybody's telling him to get up while kicking him at the same time. Okay. Um, and so I, I want to, I guess, understand how is it that we became like this? What was the process?
0: It's very simple. Again, uh, forgive me. This is what gets me quite... Um, look, I can't help but be passionate about what I do. You know. And of course. It spills over into quote-unquote aggression and anger. I really get a little upset at... Uh, Westerners. Yeah, all. you
2: do. You call me a fascist. <laughs> uh, <coughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, looking back at the third world, yeah, and speaking of failures, okay. Um, let's take Africa, for example. Right. Africa is one of the wealthiest continents on the planet, and yet, in human society terms, it's the poorest. And that is mostly because all of its wealth goes outward. African states don't trade well with each other. And that is a legacy of colonialism. Colonialism isn't just about our language, our culture, our epistemology, how we come to understand truth, whether it should be reason or revelation. The rapture was fundamentally an economic one. And it's still the same today. You know, the third world countries are suffering from global poverty as much as anything else. And yet the conversation is always about how to interpret who we are. Yeah, that's the first thing. So I get a little upset when it's genuinely reduced to how do we interpret what it means to be us. The first thing is, look, (laughs) these stats are phenomenal. They're amazing. Three billion people live under $2.50 a day. Yeah, it takes, what, five liters of water or something like that to make your average bottled water. And yet bottled water is shipped from people who have clean water to people who have clean water, yeah. Yeah, there's all these statistics that get neglected in the analysis of things. And when we speak about colonialism, we are predominantly speaking about material exploitation that is carried on into third world exploitation. Okay, that's the first thing. That's where the conversation should be. Now, introducing what you said, what went wrong, you know, why we've had this challenge. Well, this comes through mimicry. We, some of us associate Europe and like hear it all the time. And this is what I mean by my anger or my passion or whatnot, yeah? All the time, people talking about, well, why can't we be like Westerners? You know, they've, they're scientific, they're secular, they're demo- and we attribute success to, to abstract things like democracy. We, we attribute success to things like secularism or the fact that they're tolerant. It you know, was one of the biggest misconceptions that somehow peace is a result of the attitudes of people being tolerant. Peace is the result where no one has to starve. No one has to worry. Yeah, It's not the result of you and I being able to turn our other cheek and accept each other's view in some highbrow assumption that we're so tolerant we can adopt to multiplicity of a truth. That's that, a st- that we're higher human beings. Yeah, that's a fictitious, that's what Westerners tell themselves to justify the potential of their middle-class guilt. Why, why am I better off than those elsewhere? And we like to think it's about our culture or our thought. In many cases, it's simply about the underlying material conditions. That's the first thing. Now, the debates about <coughs> epistemology, how do we understand Islam in modernity? Should we adopt the um, secular sciences? I think traditionally we never had that problem because I don't think there was a gap between science and religion. That's come out of a secular narrative where the secularism has associated all things science and to itself, and then spat out yeah the remainder and called that remainder religion. Well, of course, religion's narrow now. Because you've taken everything out of it. You've taken the economy out of it. You've taken the law out of it. You've taken politics out of it. You've taken science out of it. You've left it to some arbitrary, subjective, undefined spirituality. Yeah, Of course it doesn't make any sense now. Especially in Islam. It makes no sense. So then we compete with the leftover, this quasi-spirituality, against all things. It, it can't weigh up. Yeah? So I don't know about this rapture. I think the debates early on in these centuries were about an attempt to explain why Europe succeeded and why we failed. And a lot of these explanations, unfortunately, lacked what we know today, and that is, Europe succeeded predominantly in places like Africa through its violence, not through its democracy, not through its enlightenment thought.
1: So that's, um, I mean, the, the, the success or the economic success of Europe is because it went to other countries, completely stripped them of everything. Um, uh, I don't want precious. to
0: take away from, it, let's say, and I'm you know, I'll, I'll be as generous as possible. I don't want to take away from the brilliance of Western philosophy or Western economic thought or whatnot, yeah? But let's not under, let's not ignore the violence, yeah? That's all I'm saying.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, Would you... I don't know, because a lot of the colonial projects failed in a brutal, just plain economic sense because they weren't viable and yeah. they weren't successful and they didn't benefit the countries that were doing the colonising and that's why those countries eventually...
0: Yeah, let us that's one view but let's say it did fail um the post colonial condition it hasn't failed yeah i yeah.
2: totally agree with that i'm not i'm i think it's more the negative than the positive yeah. though as in it's more that colonialism basically rotted everyone it colonized rather than successed the colonizers yeah. above them it's yeah. kind of the other way around is how i see it but
0: well, look, there, there's plenty too. And post-colonialism is a massive field, and I've, yep. p- I've chosen my particular angle for myself, yeah, which ties into third world development, you know. And I, I can't make a distinction between what happened a couple for a couple of centuries and in places like India for 400 years to what's going on today. And then there's the culture. I, I, I'm not look. I'm underplaying underplaying culture, mm. but I'm not denying it. Yeah, the you know. But culture is often the result of class, and you know, so you get these, uh, for example, example of India I use. You get these upper middle class and wealthy Indians advocating a particular way to interpret modernity and then expecting the lower classes who don't have the material support to mimic that because they themselves have mimicked the European thought as a very generalized yeah, but
1: then you find the, the lower class, the poverty stricken also trying to mimic that. Absolutely and you know this is
0: what Marx may call a false consciousness because it's out of their means but they're still trying to do it. Hmm. Yeah?
1: Still out of their means. So hmm. a good concept to remember false consciousness? Hey? <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be my word for the day what? false consciousness oh gosh are
2: you mm. just finished with cognitive dissonance no I'm still excited about <laughs> that okay. one
1: false consciousness sorry um. continue
0: no that's that's pretty much it I, I guess it's in summary and, and I know I can waffle on a little or what not uh, I just in many ways think we've neglected the material conditions in our commentary about it, our cultural conditions in fact you know I've learned to hate the word culture <laughs>
1: Um, uh, Yeah, it's uh, very interesting as well, because when you see Muslims, you see uh, different interpretations of what that could mean. So you see some who, um, uh, you know, embrace their cultural background. So, for example, I'm just going to give a random example and I don't mean anything by it. Uh, Turks, for example, love their Turkish culture. Racist. Um, And yeah, yeah, they they may be racist. That's right. I mean, you know, actually, you're racist, too. um, and so their Islam, their way of dress, their speaking, all these things are, are extremely Turkish. Especially in in uh, communities outside of Turkey because then that makes them hold on to their culture even more.
0: Well, let me ask you this question. In a hundred years in Australia, the young Turkish generation of Australians, how Turkish are they going to be? Mm
1: we don't have to uh, uh, pretend not pretend so we don't have to guess what's going to happen if we yeah. go to the us for example and we find people from italian origin who've been in the us for the last 50 80 years they uh, still um, maintain that they're yeah, italian american
0: but it, it's a, it's a hybrid it's it takes a little yeah. bit from here and a little bit from there and my yeah. point is this, this these things change culture is not you know mm. it's not static it will change yeah. if the material conditions afford it yeah Yeah? yeah, yeah. and that's all i'm saying i'm not i'm not going to say that there's no problems with the community in respect to nationalism or anything like that i will repeat what i think is that we overstress it as part of the problem without bringing back in the material conditions the class Mm. divisions the gap between the rich and the poor well, it's, it's lacking in our commentary and I don't know why we'll talk about people's ignorance how people don't know the Quran you know, or how people don't learn the adab you know, again adab now has come to be like a central focus point in our community that everything can be reduced down to the lack of adab, we speak about these things but to create an institution yeah, that allows our youth to go there and learn the proper adab as tied back to the shuyuk and whatnot that costs money in this society things aren't free here Mm. And for that to happen, it means the material conditions have to change, and I think we stress too much. Again, going back to that lack, we describe what's missing. Islam becomes, you know, wor- not not worship. Islam becomes enjoyed by what's missing from it today. So what's missing today is adab. Oh, we stress on adab. What's missing today is say, you know, um, the perfecting of our sunnah. Yeah, that's w- that's what we enjoy, and uh, that's fine. But it's. I think it's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. That's the uh, um, the there is no spoon um, idea. That when we're talking about culture, we're just wasting our time because the underlying.
0: I I, I honestly think so. Not as look culture informs you, gives you aspirations, it yeah. shapes your desires and your practices. Very important. But as a solution, I do think it's a waste of time talking about changing people's cultures because they're not gonna.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it's it's something that's. Um, like you said, changes naturally. So yeah, it does. It,
0: it's, they're not. You, know, you, you can't plan this stuff. Yeah. So if you, you, yeah, all you, you all you all you can do is create the the conditions that are potential to change. Mm. So, for example, you want better adub in the community, then create the institutions. Yeah. Mm. Create the schools. Yeah, maybe then it's a result. Yeah. But and that's fine. And we're doing that. I'm not. I'm, you know, I haven't. I haven't looked deeply into it. But what happens is. In our commentary about what's wrong with the Muslim condition today, we say things that lacks adab. That's meaningless. That's utterly <laughs> meaningless. That just makes you feel better, maybe. But it's meaningless as a solution.
1: Yeah. And also, it's adab like basically means that people are rude. And yeah. That I'll means that you're not rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, and again,
0: I, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not undermining the role of adab in our. Mm, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about it as a solution. Mm.
1: Um... Uh, We've come to the end. Actually, we've got 12 minutes, but we've come to the end of our show uh, for tonight.
2: Wow, executive decision.
1: It's alright, we're done. (laughs) Do you have any other questions?
2: No, I'm good. What are you going to do now?
0: Um... I've got a couple of job opportunities interstate, potentially overseas. I don't like living in the West, to be honest. I,
2: really? That shocks
0: no. me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: where do you want to live? Like in Egypt? I don't. Or? I don't know. I don't think or
0: anywhere else will be particularly better or worse. That's, that's the thing, then, isn't it? I so don't. Then I don't have loyalty to any place. Yeah. yeah, but I don't. I look. I don't like it. <laughs> so the,
1: the worst uh, the the West is the worst place in the world, other than all the other places it's in the world. N- it's not that. Let me let
0: me like I will give you an example. Uh, it's. I was speaking to this with a brother yesterday. You know, um, I watched a documentary about, and you know, I've I mentioned a couple of times now, it's, uh, slums. You know, I watched a documentary about a group of a family in Mumbai, and their job is to pick up. I oh know the time's running out; it'll be very quick. No, <laughs> no, we've <no, laughs> got, got plenty got of time. Minutes Sorry. I, I watched this documentary, and th- their whole job—they live in a rubbish tip. Yeah, mm. their whole job is to pick up plastic, and for major corporations that come and recycle it. Sixteen hours a day, family, kids. You know. Uh, Inhaling toxics uh, Going through feces Barefoot And they live in this tip For 16 hours a day Yeah And this isn't just a one-off It's as I said You know The majority of the world Has to suffer through poverty Like in in this hour Maybe 50,000 children have died 50,000 children have died From poverty-related diseases Yeah And a lot of Contrast that to our conversation In the West We're worried about What you know representation we have in major newspapers we've taken this unfair burden that our responsibility as the youth is not to alleviate or combat this poverty this you know violence in the third world or in developing world or our homeland we've burdened our responsibility you know to sedate or overcome the hysteria of racists you know, we're not terrorists. We're not wife beaters. Let's create a museum. Let's uh, create a, <laughs> a pick up the rubbish day in the park to show that we're normal, you know? So a lot of our politics, I can't, I, I don't find place here. And secondly, I have this immense amount, and I mentioned middle class skill. Well, I'm middle class, undoubtedly. I'm Western. I was born in the UK. It's not like I'm. L- <gasps> you lem-
2: yeah. <laughs> Finally, everything you say I'm like English.
0: Yeah, I'm not lamenting, uh, you know, an inauthentic condition, but the plastic, yeah, you know, in the rubbish tip. I remember, I started typing on my computer, and I couldn't, in my head, break the link between the plastic on my lap on my keyboard and these kids picking them up in Mumbai.
2: So, are you hoping to get into something to change that?
0: No, I'm just saying this place yeah, takes away too much from like from me i'm not saying it's and you know or when and this is what was quite depressing about it when i picked up my daughter she's three years old you know bro i felt guilty that she was happy that's a horrible feeling as a parent yeah and i can't unless i do something internally academically or otherwise i don't like being part of the conversations that young muslims are having today i find them incredibly boring and a little bit privileged and so when I mean I don't like it here, I just don't know how to connect. And that doesn't mean I don't have lots of wonderful friends, brothers, and sisters who I want to give a shout out to. So I'm especially <laughs> Melbourneians, the, <laughs> the cultured, the cultured Melbourneians out there. Yeah, sorry, Sydney sliders. <laughs> but um, <coughs> you know, and my host here. with you. Yeah, and my host here in Sydney. But honestly, bro, I, I, it's a little touch depressing.
1: it's very like insightful God. and. Um, um, I'd like to say that I agree with you, but then I'll just sound like this guy who wants to say, yeah, yeah, I'm deep too. So, <laughs> never mind. Jazakallah, um, uh wish you all the best, and um, radio station will be your home whenever you come down to Sydney again. um And to the other guys as well, shout um, out to Maad in Indonesia.
2: And to Nasa's mum, our only listener. And, it's been and great.
0: If I might, just quickly to my daughter, Yara, and... So oh, yeah. Our
2: second listener <laughs> so, yeah, doubled our base.
1: I don't <laughs> think she's listening. <laughs> no, we've, we've actually got a couple of guys from Asia as well listening. So.
2: Oh, yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah. Oh, we have to
1: say our words to freak them out. Yeah, jihad and jihad. Yeah, okay. So now... Jihad and jihad? That, that will That's maintain all you've got? The listener. I can't actually say anything that incriminates me. I just yeah. I have to be vague enough. Jazakallah um, khairan to everybody who listened to us and to contributed uh, through the Facebook uh, group um, and who... Called us, nobody called Yeah, today. thanks That's for okay. all the calls. Anyway, Not so we will continue um, next week, inshallah, with a very exciting topic. Really? Uh, we are,
0: yes. Huh. We are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, again, <laughs> and, <inaudible> <inaudible> thank you for
1: having me. Uh, it's, it's a pleasure, as always, and uh, thank you, Anna Rose uh, Zayed, for uh, coming on the show and contributing nothing other than corny jokes.
2: Me. Corn- oh.
0: It's what most
1: fascists do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, Way funny. harsh. <laughs> okay, alhamdulillah. Um, so we come to the end of our show now. Um, I bid you all adieu. Um, enjoy the weekend. Uh, this is the host No wonder of- you need
0: 12 minutes to say goodbye. I know.
2: Every <laughs> week. Is- he just can't let go.
1: <laughs> I can't let go. No, this is the host of the show, Nasr al-Khatib. Assalamu alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi Allahi wa barakatuh. Salam.